Welcome, dirty peasants, to episode 51 of Wartwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This week we'll be covering Amphibia Season 3, Episode 13, Mother of Olms and Grimes Pupil. I'm your host, Thumbaticon, and joining me today we have Sunsphere. Hey, hey, hey! Pixels. What's up, peoples? And Nick. What's up, y'all? All right, so, news this week. Uh, Matt made a few interesting tweets about the upcoming Amphibia Arts Nucleus event. Uh, he mentioned that it's going to feature uh, material from future episodes and the poster they're giving out will have some mild spoilers on it too at the at the time it comes out so he 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 doesn't seem too worried by it but i'm guessing it's just going to show stuff that's going to appear in the finale but hopefully it's not too big of a spoiler and we can just treat it as a i guess promotional material and in other news, we also had, like, before this episode aired, uh, Mother of Olms and Grimes Pupil, uh, Disney released, I think, we, we got the normal YouTube TV thumbnail that had Mother of Olms. And then also, I think D23 released, like, another still, like, featuring the Mother of Olms. So we, we pretty much got like a look of a look, a look of her design like two days before, and then I think the day before like the day before the episode aired, they released like a the first minute of the segment with like Whoopi Goldberg talking and interacting with the planners, and they did the same thing with the, for uh, Ru- RuPaul and and Anika. I'm pulling up the name. Uh, Anika Noni Rose, when she showed up as Doctor Jan and and Mister X for RuPaul. So, yeah, when 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 the big name when the big name celebs come on the show, Disney really wants to uh, showcase that. Which I mean, spoilers, and I guess there's a trade off, but I, I guess as like fans of the show, we we would per- we probably prefer going in going in dark like. Matt's been trying to Matt and the crew have been trying to do, especially with their promotional material and like their own like mini poster teasers, which we'll, well we can talk about once we get into the episode. Okay, I think that's all the news this week. And usually we cover like we cover the episode first segment, second segment, but this week we are going to go with we're going to cover Grimes people first before. Mother of Olms, just because Mother of Olms re- revealed some stuff that we'll probably talk about, talk a lot about near the end. Okay, so Grimes Pupil was directed by Jen Strickland, written by Adam Colas, and storyboards by Drew Applegate and Eddie West. So this episode was the, as the title suggested, was the the grime episode we were all that we were teased by that that was teased by Matt I think back in the cartoon universe interview 
and you know Beatrix Grime sister came over with her toad resistance to meet up with Sasha and try and form an alliance but uh Beatrix wasn't too imp- isn't too impressed by frogs and Sprig brought up his uh his battle against Grime and one thing led to another and then all of a sudden Grime challenged Beatrix to a duel and we'll, we'll get into like the 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 rules later but basically she has to fight Sprig and Sprig has to beat her to get the get the toads to join their army and this was a fantastic episode i mean like very fun grime could have been like i think matt mentioned that this would be like an unusual it's like the person you'd least expect but like now that we found out it was sprig it's kind of like the perfect the perfect team up episode and Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode was hilarious. It advanced some of the alliances that the Frog Rebellion needed to kind of like build up enough strength to go against Andreas. It just so it was so good. Like I mean, <laughs> you had the joke. Like uh, we'll we'll get into like the the comedy later, but yeah, just a fantastic episode. And yeah, that's all I can say for now. I guess, starting with Nick, what are your thoughts on Grimes' pupil? <sighs> oh, okay, I, where do we start? Oh, I, what? oh wait, sorry, I, I don't think Nick's, a, Nick's, I think Nick's AFK, but I, I forgot to mention Sun Series. Since you weren't on for the first few episodes of 3B, like, I, I'm sure you want to talk about uh okay like I'll, I'll let you talk about sasha go ahead <laughs> okay okay nick's back now as well. <laughs> go ahead. oh goodness okay i like i like how season 3b has been starting up everybody wants me to rant about sasha apparently so here we go um i think new character design is great i like how the kind of the greens and stuff that's been added to her classic reds really disrupt basically her old her old character design so you can really clearly delineate between old Sasha and new Sasha. I think that's really important to have now that she's being an actually moderately healthy individual and being reasonably nice. I like a whole I like how all of the recent episodes have been here's a whole bunch of character developments, here's people interacting with each other, but always in a backdrop of the resistance taking the next step. And I think that's really important, especially now we're in the end game. We need to see these things keep on moving. And we do, which is great. And so that when all of a sudden the final battle comes and there's all these different people that have been roped in by the rebellion we don't go wait a minute when did that happen i don't see how that managed to happen they're just saying oh yeah here's all the people we managed to round up while you weren't looking no these are the people that they managed to round up while we were looking and other things were happening so i like that i like the tiara i like a lot of things that have been going on and i really like the new amphibious like the new the planet amphibious aesthetic in how almost all of the surface world is 
in far more reds and greys and browns than it used to be, which really helps sell the Andreas is doing bad things to the planet, yo, mate, this is bad, uh, and not really healthy long-term, which compared to the greens and blues and some browns, yes, of the old Amphibia we knew and loved. All right, thank you, Sunsphere. So going back to Grimes' pupil, uh, I guess I wanted to start off with Nick because usually I leave him last. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on the segment? I mean, I thought it was really, 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 really just like an all around fantastic episode of just a really fun time, like start to finish. Um, like lots of great moments here from Spriggan Grind. Like I, I, I trying to think about all the things I want to say here, but. Yeah, I don't know. There's just, like, a lot to unpack from this episode. Like, not only is it, like, a really funny one, it's also just great to see these two sort of break down the arbitrary boundaries that are between frogs and toads, right? Like, the whole racial divide between them. So I, I thought it was just, like, man, I don't know. There's just so much good to this episode I want to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, I'll just say, like, probably, like, I think... I don't know if I'd say this is one of my favorite episodes, but it's definitely up there, right? Like, they really outdid themselves with this one. All right. Thank you, Nick. Pixels, what, what are your thoughts on Grimes' Pupil? Um, very, really fun episode. Uh, the very the dynamic between uh, Sprig and Grime are really hilarious. And uh, shout out to uh, Troy Baker, who, who's, uh, who's uh, Grime voices in any uh, expression of what uh, the characters can be in is like how it's meant to be with the tone. Um, the fight was pretty fun. Uh, I liked how we saw Sasha's cheerleading outfit, like actually doing the dance, like either like she, well, she most likely made her own since she didn't have her, her jittery with her. Um, <laughs> There's this one part where uh, uh, Grimes said out loud, like, how did I lose to him? As a kid, like, you can, like, fathom over it. It's just, it's really a great episode. Good episode. All right. Thank you, Pixels. Sunsphere, what are your thoughts on this segment? Grimes people slept way too hard. Like, I was not prepared for how good it was. I think one of the highlights of the episode was the crew just playing around with the physicalities of Grime and Sprig and just messing around with the fact that they're both frog. One's a frog, one's a toad. But they are both characters that are reasonably flexible in terms of their actual character, just like in terms of their form and shape. They can, like, you can stretch Grime and Sprig around and make these get the, these people into really weird poses which you can't do for a human because it just looks incredibly wrong and I think some of the greatest moments in Grimes people are when they just kind of do really weird things like the eye staring competition between Grime and Sprig or when Sprig <laughs> leans, over, leans over the back of his head and just yells off at Grime I think those are some great moments that are just sold so well because they're just stretchy characters. All right. Thank you, Sun's Fury. 
and like starting off the ep- like the episode starts off with like Anne and Sasha in the in the planning room and and I like how yeah this is where Anne brings up how like how Sprig beat Grime and Grime is like super like annoyed by that and the moment like Sasha realizes her mistake like they both immediately like rush out <laughs> And- that, was really, that was a perfect start to this episode. <laughs> I, I do love that Sasha has somehow managed to completely not notice this happening at all. Like, oh, yeah. This is all news to her, the fact that there's this rivalry going on. And and being, of course, her, the heart is just like, wait, hold up, you just read the- didn't you know this already? This is a kind of important news, <laughs> they hate each other. <gasps> yeah, and she, and she sent them out specifically to like, show like the frog newt the frog toad alliance to beatrix who's coming by and and when you think about it, it's like i th- I think she understands like sprig can be like a like a friendly guy and and like that's why she sent him out there and then like but she sent out i, I guess sending out grime like her sit like his sister i guess she's trying she she kind of rational like she tried to rationalize it and you can kind of see where she's coming from, but it's like sending Grime as a rep representative is is a good decision. Sending Sprig out as a representative is also a good decision. Sending them both out is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious conclusions. And then, like we we cut to like when we cut back to Grime and Sprig, it's like I like how Grime is so like upset, and then Sprig is just like drawing something with a stick on the ground. <laughs> but then, like the moment they start talking, like Sprig immediately starts like starts roasting the hell out of him, <laughs> like out of the blue, right? <laughs> He's a spiteful little bugger when he wants to be. It, it's great to see. And the thing, the greatest, one of the great things is that Sprig kind of just, like, isn't wrong at all. Like, Sprig is really honest. He's honest, he's straight, he's up front, and, like, these are bad things that you did. Yes, I should be mad at you. And, yay! He kind of has good reason. (laughs) Yeah, I love that, like, because Grime tries to, like, Grime tries to equate, like, oppression <laughs> attempted murder, all to a, all to a child like a child like prank like <laughs> like shut the fuck up, <laughs> I just love Sprig just throwing that back in his face. Yeah, you tried to kill my tried to kill my grandpa, man. Like <laughs> that was just so good. Yeah, okay, w- it- yeah, we'll we'll cover the like we'll cover the episode as we go along. Like, uh, but yeah, that I, I just love the. I think even in this scene, Sprig mentioned that she he mentioned that Grime is basically like a foot soldier now in Sasha's rebellion, and like <laughs> technically he's not wrong on that either. Dude, that just sucks. <laughs> he went from like Toad Lord to Foot Soldier. Like Grime, what a fall, dude! What happened? Yeah. And then. uh yeah, and then Beatrix. Oh, first Sasha and Anne arrive to try and stop things, but then Beatrix arrives, and you know we get the uh, the normal sibling stuff with uh, with with Beatrix and Grime, and 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. I, I I like the the beetle they came on was like kind of armored up and I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Beetle chopper is so cool. Yeah, it was like, a, it was like a helicopter. That, that was really cool. Yeah, I I just love the do, 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 do. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's God. oh yeah, they treated it like like a helicopter entrance, and then like yeah. her coming down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at the clip again. Oh, she doesn't just come down. She just, like, jumps, lunges at Grime and, <laughs> and noogies him. Straight tackle. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. He's nah, probably he off from... He was probably bullied off from childhood, wasn't he? Yeah, sibling. Sibling stuff. And then, uh... Yeah, Sasha, like, and... I think Uzbek's mentioned it in our in our discussions, like... Anne is pretty much like Sasha's secretary <laughs> for all this rebellion planning. Like she's right there by her, like helping her out and like plays the drum roll app. Yeah, we have this partnership thing down, but and it's fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. And then Yeah, Beatrix is unimpressed by Sprig, and then that's when Sprig like Sprig has like the most smug face on, like while Beatrix is talking. Like he's he just he's just ready to like bring up the fact that he beat Grime, and then Grime's just like begging him not to. It's like please no no come on don't do on it on his knees on his knees like no yeah and then Beatrix yeah immediately starts bullying Grime about it too and. Yeah, and she's unimpressed, and she's about to leave, and then that's when Grime... The, the thing he does, like, the Toad, like, this Toad challenge thing, it kind of reminded me of what he did in... what happened in Reunion, where he, he draws a circle around him, Beatrix, and then, like, that's kind of what Wait. happened in Reunion, where, like, they had, like, a circle of Toads around Anne and Sasha. I just thought... That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very very much. Much. Didn't he say, like, the Toad fashion way or something? Yeah, back in Reunion. Sure yeah. 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 It's definitely an intentional callback because well, he's invoking trial by combat. Effectively. Right, and then that's when Beatrix kind of uses the uh... Oh, I liked how when he he just punches like the toad like soldier like next to him to grab the sword. <laughs> and then does like the weird like mouth thing and whatever and uh, Beatrix brings up some sort of like war oh. clip. Oh, you're watching the clip. Sorry, I, just, I just remember that's what you're talking about. Yeah, he totally did. What an asshole. Yeah, he just, he just punches like a dude off screen. <laughs> why? He just, why? Just, can he just grab the sword on his head? Then he just punches him for no reason. Don't worry. He gets a, the, the guard gets it back. The guard just knocks it out from under him. <laughs> yeah. That was good on him. Like, I was a jerk for that. Right, and then, like, Beatrix brings up some sort of, like, war cause where she can challenge anyone in his alliance, and then basically, like, decides to fight Sprig. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, like, she heads off, and I like how everyone's, like, kind of horrified, and then Sprig's just, like, standing there, like, just with some normal, like, derpy face. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. 
and yeah, he's like totally like he's completely like sure of himself. He can take that he can take down Beatrix. Like I just loved how confident he was in in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh oh go ahead. No, it's a very iconic sprig. Yeah, and then like Grimes, Grimes, pretty sure that he can't take on Beatrix, and he calls Beatrix like one of the like the toughest toad in Amphibia, which is, I mean, that only increases that that only heightens the win that Spur gets later on, but makes the dub even bigger. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and yeah, Grime brings up or Sasha brings up that Grime was in the in the gladiator and was a gladiator and. He should train Sprig, and both of them, both of them are like immediately against this idea. But of course, Sasha and Anne pretty much like write a decree, which is somehow like super love- official and was official <laughs> enough for like Grime and Sprig to agree. Oh, because I'll also get banished, which is also like another conditional. I- Offer where it's like until the war starts. Yeah, I love the, <laughs> I love the decree. It's just done so like officially and everything, all pompously, and it's funny. It's funny, and then Sasha signs it with emojis. Yeah, and, then, and it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, like that was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. That was yeah. That was just so weird. It's just funny, and then we also get the close up of Sasha threatening to banish them, and I think she had like yeah. She she's had some sort of like extreme close up every week. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't know. They just they just love doing out of Sasha. And <laughs> can you blame? Them? Yeah, so I like how yeah they they have Sprig and Grime kind of walk off walk off all grumpy and then it continues into the woods. <laughs> where they both have the exact same like expression while walking and then they get into like that staring. It's it's the kind of like dumb stuff that happened in uh in, in Corridor's past where it's just like Polly and Sprig like slapping each other. Like this kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's so funny. Like when they just shove like their faces into each other. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Yeah, and this was one of the uh, promotional like t- the, that was the YouTube thumbnail. It was just like Grimes, like green pupil, just comedically <laughs> large. Hmm. Yeah, I think Sensor, you mentioned yeah, since they're like frogs and toads, like they can make the characters like faces more elastic. And Which works in a way because you've seen um, other shows do that before. Uh, Clarence is a good example. Craig and Craig is another example. Right? Yeah, it just makes it more like entertaining and yeah. Like, I'm glad <laughs> they're doing the faces. Oh, go ahead. Also, can I point out that Ed's reaction to the "they have to do this or be exiled forever" is tough but fair. Oh right, yeah, she's just uh, 
like, so, well, like when Sasha makes like the uh, until the war starts, then yeah, and is an agreement. <laughs> oh, I think she was the agreement even before that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like yeah, probably. <gasps> okay. Yeah, and then yeah, so Sprague's just like fine. Teach me some of these toe tactics, and uh, yeah, we get that quick. Uh, like we get that we get the scene of like Grime trying to train Sprig in the in the Toad way and it's not working out too well. Like Sprig can't carry those buckets and gets. I like how every like interaction between Sprig and Grime physically is just a uh, like a little squeaky toy like squeaky toy noise and especially the part where like they they do the uh, like they do the ab punches like. Grime hits spring and just hear like a squeaky oh noise and then <laughs> I, I just like all the sound effects. <laughs> Spring's sound effects are on point. All of his yells as well. The yelling, the faces he makes when he yells. I'm so re- I'm just like... re- <laughs> I'm rewatching like yeah, the ab punching scene. <laughs> Grime is polarizing, but like like his face is bigger than Spring's entire body. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, holy shit! Look at your old back. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> he just takes up his whole body when he punches it. How is Sprig so alive after that? Like, and I like how when like Sprig fails the punch, like fails the ab punch, like Grime just gives him this like look of disappointment, and like the camera's angled below him, and then it just like shows him like putting his fists together, <laughs> like, and then you just know Sprig's like done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then oh yeah, we uh yeah, you guys talked about it earlier, but yeah, that whole scene about Grime and Sprig, like Grime trying to equate the like the poison ivy joke with like I, I love how Spring brings up like everything Grime has done to Warwood, like where it's like you like extorted us for years, imprisoned us when you when we fought back, and tried to kill my hop pop. Like <laughs> I just like the escalation. Yeah, the Grime's like, oh, you pranked me this one time. See, it's equal. <laughs> like, we're even, Spring. <laughs> Incredibly even. <laughs> Jesus. And then yeah, later on, Grimes like he was a political liability <laughs> as like his defense. <laughs> yeah, and then like to like Grime is like unimpressed by by Sprig after all those like challenges or after all those toe tactics and Sprig just like he just goes off on his own. Yeah, I'm just li- And then, like, I, yeah, we you guys mentioned it earlier. Like, Grime just sits down. He's like, I don't care. He's gonna go away. I'm just gonna sit here and just do whatever. And then he just, like, shouts out, like, in anguish about how he got, like, jumped by Sprig at Intro <laughs> Colors. <laughs> keep on playing it up and keep on playing it up. And it just doesn't lose its quality. Just the absolute resentment on each side. It kind of, like for those of you who watched like the 2003 Ninja Turtles show, like it reminds me of how uh, 
there was like there was like this interdimensional duel for the best fighter in the multiverse and Mikey and Mike Mikey wins and like in later seasons of the show Mikey casually brings up how he was like the battle nexus champion <laughs> in the multiverse. Oh. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that just that just remind me of Spring like bringing up how he beat Grime. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes. It cuts back to Sprig, like he's just training on his own, and it turns out he was just like practicing against like this tree trunk that belonged to a hybina. Is that how you say it? Yes, hybina nest. Hybina nest. Yes, and then which I love that pun. Yeah, like it's better than a Scorpio. <laughs> so. And, uh, yeah, the nest comes out, Grime shows up to help Sprig out. And then, like, yeah, then we get to see, like, Sprig in his element, where he just instantly becomes the commando we all know he is. And I like how, like, he hits one Hybina, and, like, we get that Michael Bay explosion with Sprig, like, heroically posing in the background, in, in the forefront. Mm-hmm. I mean, those high beams are probably like super flammable somehow. <laughs> we, we won't worry. Think about it too much. Yeah, I like that. Even before that, like Sprig was like, he was like jumping around, like taking, taking a bunch out at a time, and Grime was like super impressed. Then, meanwhile, like Grime takes like, I'm trying to count like how many were on here, like about, like, eight Hybenas, like, stinging him, and then it just immediately, like, rages out and just pushes them all back. And Sprig's admired. Sprig mm. is, like, Sprig admires that strength. And then we get a little bit, few more shots of them, like, fighting side by side, and, you know, that's how they... That's how they bond. You know, it's, it's, it's standard stuff, but... It works. It's Fine. effective. Hmm. And I like how, yeah, Grime brings up like the ang- your your anger when Chael properly is like your ultimate like weapon. And then they they kind of have like this awkward like moment of silence where they kind of just like are just there. And then like Sprig admits that he could use a few, that he could learn a few things from Grime, and that's when we get like the more. We get the more optimistic training montage, which I really liked. Yeah, no, it was it was really cool to see it, like you know flipped around in a much more positive aspect. You know, just seeing how spring. I don't know. I just I think that's just like I, I know there's a fight later on, but I feel like that's just like the most rewarding part of the episode for me. It's just you know the idea of Sprig. because I feel like I know you discussed it in the past here how Sprig sort of like represents the future of Amphibia, right? With like the heritage of the pink frog and stuff, I just feel like this is part of it in a way, you know. Like he's bringing together two different cultures here and just I don't know, turning into like a really effective way of fighting. I don't know how I'll word it, but it was just really, really, really nice to see that because this has been I know this has been a problem we've seen in Amphibious since day one, right? Just like this cultural divide between these two races and just yeah, getting a scene like that where like Sprig embraces like not only like who he is as a frog, but also 
like he takes in some total culture himself. Like I love seeing that. Yeah, Sprig is very much like the Sprig is like the spirit of the show, and like every single plot thread, like Sprig is the key. Every single plot thread, yeah. every yeah. single like moral <laughs> somehow, of the show, every single theme he's... leads back to Sprig. Yeah, no, that's because involved. He, you're so right. No, because you're so right in that. Because like I, I would call Sprig like the heart of the show, right? Like he's like the most representative of amphibious themes, like. Like that—that's what it means to be the heart of the show, right? Like, like you represent, like you are sort of like the face of the big ideas of the show. And like, yeah, I totally see that here, Sprig. Like, he's managed to touch all corners here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh... well, also, I just want to—how does—how did Sprig not get splinters when he like? When he, you know, when, when he like rolled around on a tree with his tongue, like I'm surprised he didn't get any splinters off that. That looks so painful, dude. It's a, it's <laughs> a most smooth tree. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Sprig like use his like tongue and like, like I, 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 I knew, sorry, like, I just realized, I just realized the part where he fucking decks cry. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, like Sprig, like ba- Sprig's tongue is basically like his like his like base weapon, I guess. And uh, superpower, really? Yeah, superpower. Yeah. Like, that carries more He's weight. So than, overpowered with that tongue. That, yeah, that carries more weight than his own like his own body can. Yeah, he does like all the challenges at once, basically. And yeah, I just yeah, I, I love that moment where he like kind of like hits Grime, and then Grime just, like, just, like, sits up, impressed. And then, I I guess we can start talking about, like, the the final, I guess the final act of this episode, where, like, it, it kind of fades into the next day, and we see, like, we see the toads and frogs have gathered for this duel, and Sasha's in this like handmade like Wartwood cheerleading uniform. It looks like she's using like bushes as like pom poms. <laughs> and like her cheerleading team, it, it has like it has hop hop, it has the sheriff, it has fern, and it has like that one background dude who's like scarred up. <laughs> with tattoos and whatever, like I'm surprised they haven't given this guy a name yet because I've seen, like I've seen him multiple times. Not season one, but <laughs> we, I think you he's do know season... his name. It's background time. It's like he's also, he did he wasn't in season one. He was like a season two townie that was in the background. Yeah, he was. I, I know we've seen him. I mean, I think we might have even seen him do some stuff here and there, but I can't remember. Like he, he's. I just remember him like in the background for Battle of the Bands. Uh, it's still amazing. Wow, it's, I mean, just seeing further, it's so amazing that like this background character from Girl Time got a whole episode to herself. What the hell? And, and it looks all, like a great one too. But yeah, sorry we're going off topic. But yeah, it's just really cool to see the sheriff there too. I mean, we haven't seen him do anything since what Girl Time. Damn. You know, two two characters coming back from that, huh? Yeah, there's just such a weird like choice for her, like her cheerleading squad, and then like the pyramid too. Yeah, <laughs> and 
<laughs> no, just just a small moment of like Sasha flipping out at Hop Hop or questioning her work ethic. That was great. Oh, she was just complaining about just the crazy schedules. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah, and then like even though yeah, this episode took place after Mother of Olms and it's like Hop Hop's at the bottom of the pyramid, but I guess like his knees got better. Well, I mean, he doesn't very—he doesn't cope very much under the weight of it all, right there. I don't know if they got that much better. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they're all getting squashed. And uh, Grimesburg and Anne are like inside, like the the grub and go, and Sprig gets some armor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just like that. It's like the final. It's like Anne's like the guy, the the person prepping the fighter, and then got the coach there too, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a nice moment where like their chance, like I think Sprig mentions that his chances aren't high, but like Grime doesn't really. I think Grime tries not to bring up the odds, and just kind of just brings up, oh, like you frogs surprise me, which is a nice mm-hmm. like. It was a nice comment. It's like five percent, isn't it? Yeah, I like how like Grime didn't like just make a joke about like, oh yeah, maybe it's like five percent. Like you just didn't want to, you didn't want to answer that. Hmm. But uh... oh, he said realistically no. Okay, so he did answer. <laughs> but uh... yeah, realistically no. But you do always surprise me. So yeah, he kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I... like he softens up the message at the end. I mean, I do want to say that I really do like that line from Grime because, you know, I mean, you know the whole thing with Grime. Like, he's racist, right? Yeah. Like, he looks down on frogs, judges them and stuff. But, yeah, you know, that's just a great way to, you know, to show him coming around to them. So, it's really cool. Yeah, and then we get, we get Sprig walking out into, like, the, into the field. And the, I think that same beetle or bug brings the dome down. Yeah, I just love. I just love how it's like. It looks like a boss fight where it's like Sprigs walking into like the like into like the into the area, and then the boss is just waiting there, like Beatrix with her like battle axes out. And I think this is the first time we've seen Beatrix with weapons, because I know Forsha she like drew like you know all of her Beatrix art, and I think they had battle axes in there, but it didn't show up in the show. I think. Yeah, I'm fairly sure this is. First time we see her with weapons. Right, and then the fight starts, Sprig does his dodging, and and then, like, immediately, like, I'm, I'm just replaying the fight, and want to see if he lands a hit on her first before doing his, like, super... Okay, he yeah, tosses he... some pebbles at her. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was for. I think, was that just like a distraction? It was just to annoy her. He's diving full into, I'm an annoying frog. Catch me if you can. Right, and then he starts swinging around to like build up momentum, <laughs> and then, and then like, hits her once, and then we get that like, that scene where she's like looking up and Spring's just like, flying everywhere around the dome. 
That was just fun. Like, I, I know it's supposed to be cool, it was just funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mix of both. Yeah, it's both. Like, I, I, wanna, I want someone to get a shot where it's like, since the screen, since Beatrix and the background don't change, it's just Sprig. Like, I want to see someone just like, <coughs> copy and paste all like the different places Sprig like moves around into like one frame where you just have like 20 different Sprigs. Oh. I just want to see that, but uh, like if you pause, if you pause at any one of these moments, it's still hilarious. Like Sprig just Sprig in motion frame. Mm-hmm. Aim low, see it. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, Sprig started. Yeah, and before that, Sprig was just like beating Beatrix down. <laughs> He was doing an amazing job, honestly. Yeah, and then he does like he goes for like the spitting finishing move, and then gets pulled into the <laughs> art into like the the bear hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it was just a fun fight. I just love how like he's getting crushed, and then it, it pans to the audience, like the, like everyone's scared, like all all the frogs at least are scared. And then just like pants oh. to Grime. Then Grime's just like faces like there's no fear. It's just like all <laughs> determination. Like the the coach look, and then you hear like the monologue, and Grime's doing the actions at the same time. He has this face that makes a, it. It shouldn't be a smile, but it looks like it is one. I didn't see right. it as like a grin. I saw it mostly as like a just him like it's determined. Like a charm look. Yeah. Yeah. It's an internal grin, I feel like. And it's like, he's like, he's speaking to Sprig telepathically. And and they, they have like the music swell up. <laughs> uh, it's just a super fun, it was, it was like a, how do I describe it? It's not, it's not comedic, it's mostly just like epic. <laughs> Even though I'm kind yeah. of like, Abusing that word. It kind of is. It's one of those. It's a. It's a moment, and it's like, oh yeah, let's go. Yeah. And then, like Sprig, out of like pure rage, is able to like get out of like Beatrix's grip and just bed and just headbutts her. And I like how it's like they show him getting like all red and angry, and then Beatrix is just confused. Glorious <laughs> headbutt. Oh, he also does like that weird like he does his like kid scream too. Yeah, I just I just love how like this reminds me of Spider Spring. How it's like even those kind of go- like even though the stakes aren't goofy, it's just like. It's so funny, it makes it look cool. Like, everything does, everything Sprig does is hilarious, but it's just... Taken with the right degree of seriousness. Yeah. There's just something, I mean, I know, he, he looks like... <laughs> he, he did look kind of silly with his face heating up and stuff, right? Like, getting pissed off, but... Damn, does it really look really cool when he had Bugs Beatrix. Hmm. Yeah, they do like the black flash and the the black screen and the white flash of light final move frame thing. 
And also like how like poor Frobo's used as the bell for this fight. <laughs> he seems like dizzy yeah. after. He'll he'll get his he'll get his fire. Yeah, his, yeah, his transformations. Well, <laughs> it'll come eventually. Honestly, you'll probably just like you probably get a. Cool, I, I'm betting he'll get like a cool scene in the Three Armies where like he walks out and like you know what I mean. Like yeah, he's all decked out in this cool new armor and stuff. That, that's what I expect. I hope you so. Probably will talk about how she's been working on it for like weeks now. Like I, I think we're in store for that. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. And you know, we saw we saw these planter focused episodes. I'm hoping Polly gets she'll get her moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then Yeah, you know, the crowd like the crowd pulls Sprig into the air. It's, you know, it's all it's that it, it's a fun I think yeah, you guys mentioned that this felt like a season one episode, but with more weight behind it, and and it shows, yeah, and that's why I liked liked about it so much. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been I've been seeing that around a lot, but like, I mean, I just wanted to go. What does that mean? <laughs> like, like, what do people mean by by being like a season one episode? I think it's because it's like some sort of like it's some sort of like brawl or fight or conflict, and then you know the whole town comes by to watch, and like it's like a little show. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely has the vibe. Then yeah, I get that. Because like we had a couple of episodes where it's like everyone meets up in town square and something happens, and then so not in town square, just like. The episode happens, and then eventually, like the whole town gathers up to see the, uh, like the big event, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's like the, there's a winner, and there's there's an audience for this, I guess. Yeah. No, I think I get you. Like the whole audience kind send area and just. Mm. Except the only difference is that, like, the town square right. is, like, pretty the, much... Right. The difference is that... Well, and the stakes are completely different. Yeah. But it's kind of, go off, learn lesson, change off a bit, and then here we are in front of everybody having our big moment. It's, it's like, Hot Popular, but, like... Well, it reminds me of Hot Popular, except, like, we we actually know what the stakes are, rather than them, like revealing themselves late rather than the stakes revealing themselves later on by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, and then I, I like how like Grime and Grime and Sprig are, are pretty much cr- cool now and Grime pulls him in for a nuggy, like the head nuggy thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a kind of like wholesome moment where like Grime just like treats Sprig as like a like a like his little mentor, like his little, his pupil. <laughs> yeah, like his little buddy, his little buddy. Oh man, that's just oh, I'm rewatching. That's just so cute. Ah, oh. he's great. Yeah, and then even like then of course Beatrix compliments them and pledges her allegiance to the rebellion, and now we have the the Toad Army on their side. Huzzah! However, call it, call it. they they will be coming. They will be showing up after the war, when the war starts. The war so starts. we won't see them yeah. just yet. Preparation, right? Yeah, 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 probably three armies. 
Three armies. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So first we get to we have the frogs, toads. Now we're gonna need the newts. So love me, I'm like, when we'll get them, but we'll get them eventually. Uh, probably newts and tights. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that. It was Tritonian? It's like, it's like, Tritonian, you know what I mean? Like, Tritonian? Will they accept him? <laughs> I'm calling. We get Tritonia has been leading a bunch of, like... Refugees. A bunch, a bunch of, like, not, no, not refugees, rapscallions, like, running around raiding people, raiding <laughs> Andreas or something. Yeah, he's training child soldiers. <laughs> he's training child soldiers. <laughs> oh, what's what's the name of the the, the guest star Archie Yates? I think it's like Joey Potato. Like Joey Potato or something. Uh, uh, I want to put that. I, I mean, honestly, no Antonio, how he trained a bunch of kids to help him rob a train, and he and he's done it more than once. Come on, they're gonna be, they're gonna be there. <laughs> oh, he's gonna bring back like all the kids <laughs> that he soldiers. like. Help, that he got to help, like, su- successfully rob trains without getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Like, yeah, he's the one. <laughs> that would be hilarious if that was... Oh, my God. And then, like, Anne and Sprig have to, like, bring up the fact that Tritonio tricked them all. Yeah. Um, That'd be perfect. Yeah. And then, like, this this episode ends off with, like, Grime literally admitting that he's, like, going to undercut the message of the episode. By making fun of Beatrix and then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he just gets, like, knocked out with one punch, and that's how the segment ends. Just... That was a pretty funny, like, sibling... Sibling rival rival <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, oh, like how Grime goes, I know this is completely out of... Uh, gets in the way of the lessons we've all learned, but... <laughs> it's... <sighs> In character, and it's a beautiful crime moment. And also, I like that they acknowledge that it kind of goes against everything that they have learned. <gasps> I mean, s- siblings got a sibling. <laughs> and Grime's got a Grime. We all, also, something I want to point out. I just love how. Um, yeah, I, I just like the little scene of like Beatrix telling them that you know she's going to join their army and stuff, right? But then, like, instead of Sasha being the one that just takes in the win, like, right, she's sort of like leads the scene over to, like, you know, war with itself, right? Because I feel like that's the most important win here today, right? Just being able to change society and unite two people who are against each other for such a long time. I, I think mm. Sasha was just bowing, but then, yeah, they, 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 they used that as, like, the shot. Weird. They used that to, like, pan the shot to the frogs. But she was bowing. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's just the angle of the shot. Like, it looks kind of weird. Really a- Bow, but a similar kind of gesture. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like I wouldn't go as far to say it was a bow. Exactly. But also, this is sort of at a weird angle. Like. <clears throat> and I'm looking at the town he designed. It's like. So like Loggle and Toadie, they kept their like their three season three designs, but then. Everyone else kind of went back into their civilian, uh, civilian uniform—not uniforms, civilian clothing. Huh. Oh well, good to know that they can chill. And uh, I-, I like how who said have a safe drive, Sprig. Oh, I can't remember. 
I think I'll just wait. But let me let me see. Yeah, I'm just going through the clip again. Like Beatrix knocks Grime out, and she just walks over him. Oh, oh yeah, as Brick literally says, "Drive save." <laughs> uh, ain't that cute? Mm. Like, I don't know, I, I just, he got fucking knocked out, and they're just like, okay, like, they're just like, okay, alright, bye Beatrix, like, what's all right about, pick him up, you have a concussion right now, <laughs> come on. And, uh, just mind, I, I like how Beatrix had, like, the fro, like, the frobot head as, like, her pauldron, or shoulder armor. Oh, did she have one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't spot that. I only, I only saw the other one, the one with the spike on it. It's just weird how, like, her and Sasha both are using, like, Frobo parts as, like, armor, even though, like, the show's kind of shown how, like, easy it is for... how easy it is to beat them up if they really want to. <laughs> it's like, they, uh. they get more durable after they've been, like, after they've been <laughs> defeated. Ouch. Yeah, that's just like a minor thing with like the way. At least those were, I think the the one Beatrix had was like from the smaller Frobo that came from the. I forgot the name of the the golden the big golden frog that dispenses smaller Frobos. It was like it was based on like a Samarian toad or something. I know you're talking about. I forget the name of it. Yeah, the one in Turning Point. Yeah, yeah. And I think we did. We miss anything from the segment? I like a bigger. Okay. I think we can go on to Mother of Alms. Oh, so mother. Here we go. Yeah, Mother of Olms was directed by Joe Johnson, written by Michelle Cavan, and storyboards by Silver Paul and Alex Swanson. So this episode took place like right after Olmtown Road. The planners are heading down to meet Mother Olm, and that's when we kind of realized that this was the Stealth Hop Hop episode, and. The planners have to go into Mother Olm's brain to help jog her memory and solve her headaches and get her to remember the prophecy again. And we have that plot and also Hop Up feeling a little bit useless because of his age. And that's a brief summary of the episode. And I thought it was a really fun episode. Uh, I guess starting with Sunsphere, what, what are your thoughts on your, your general thoughts on Mother Realms? Mm-hmm. General thoughts? I'm. I like it. I like it in general. I think that the fact that they they keep on breaking the tension in Mother Realms, they keep on saying, "Yeah, don't take this too seriously. Don't worry about taking this too seriously. Don't worry about taking this too seriously." Like over and over. I think that's good to see, it's kind of important, because it's not, Mother of Arms is not the literally everything gets revealed episode. That's not what it is. And that's kind of okay, I liked what we had. And I liked the little classical bit of amphibia craziness we got in there. 
All right, thank you, Sunsphere. Pixels, what what are your thoughts on Mother Olms? I really enjoyed it. It was very comedic. I was I kind of assumed it would be very uh, uh surreal, serialized, just because of how it, it was almost like a two parter in a way because of from Old Tom Old Tom Road. It was, it was good, and I like that. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg was really good as Mother of Olms. She was very uh, the Mother of Olms is a very chill person but she like knows a lot about what's going on like with the music box and all that stuff and now actually like going inside the ohm's body and like what they have is very interesting too i really like the the atmosphere they use and all that and the dynamics was pretty funny too all right thank you pixels nick what are your thoughts on your general thoughts on mother volumes Honestly, man, I thought it was a great episode. Like, despite the fact that it was very different from, from what we thought it was going to be, I feel I still think it works. You know, what it was just trying to be, right? And yeah, it's it's not it's not like the big lore episode that reveals everything, and that's perfectly fine, right? Like, it just focused on being what it was, which was just about confirming like a lot, like a lot of what we already known, and just, in a really satisfying way. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm. I was surprised by this being a hop-hop episode. I did not expect that at all, but hey, I welcomed it as soon as I realized what was going on. So, all right, I really enjoyed the episode. All right, thank you, Nick. So yeah, the very, at the very beginning of this episode, where... Actually, wait, I, I forgot to give my thoughts on this episode, kind of, but yeah, I thought this was like a fan... Like, this was probably my favorite pairing of episodes for season three so far and maybe really? that'll wow. maybe that'll probably get dethroned next week but for now this is my favorite batch because so like this for okay maybe i shouldn't give too many too many of my thoughts right now but i guess <laughs> the very beginning of this episode where they kind of just has the the guards making fun of hop hop about his age and because the hill was steep, or like stairs, or whatever. Yeah, and then they show like his knee breaking, whatever, and whatever. And actually, maybe I can't talk too much about Hop Hop's plot either. I just really, I just really liked how they're finally addressing the show. Often, like, makes jokes about Hop Hop's age at his expense, but they never really dedicate mm-hmm. the whole. Like show it, the, like show the, yeah. They don't evolve. dedicate the segment around Hop Hop being old. It's just kind of just a one-off joke, and then just they they move on. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Big. Um, I was gonna say you could say that for other cartoons too. That they they just make fun of it. Yeah, like like oh, all these characters are old. Lamau. Yeah, like in season one, it would have been so easy for the show to like have an episode. Of, oh, Hop Hop's getting old, and he can't keep up, and. The show kind of went out of its way to avoid that and gave him more. Mm-hmm. The, the segments focused on a hop hop in season one felt a little bit more universal, like him trying to keep the yeah. farm going, his role as the parent, him like having like a midlife crisis with Sylvia and whatever. So it, it made us like that's what made him so much more likable. And then all the old jokes were kind of just like added on in late, like we're just. 
it wasn't that they they weren't trying to emphasize that the fact that Hop Hop's old. It's just that even in most of like throughout most of the series, Hop Hop has has been able to keep up with everyone, and like this guy isn't like he's not a fighter like Mrs. Croker, who's been like who probably had a career as an agent. No, he was like a farmer actor, and then. He, I believe he said he was farming for 40 years, so it's like... 40 years, so yeah, when he, was, he said it like, these are effects of farming for 40 years. Yeah, so around his, like, he probably did his acting career, and then when he turned, like, 30... Before he turned 30, he kind of focused just on farming, and... Yeah, and he's he was he's been able to keep up with, like, the kids for this, for this long. And... Mm-hmm. That then, so the the very first minute of the episode, like kind of showing Hop Hop like struggling and stuff, like that immediately, that, and even the clip signs, we got, their signs, yeah, that and even the clip we got featuring like released by Disney as like promotional material, like that gave us like all the sign, like all the signs that oh, this might be like. They're kind of emphasizing Hop Hop's like knees are weak, and oh, we're gonna. This might be a Hop Hop episode, and that's what happened. And yeah, I was. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Nick. sorry, keep going. No, no, I'm done now. Oh. Yeah, I was. I, I guess this is kind of dumb in hindsight, but I, I because I was since I thought the episode was like, I mean, yeah, the episode was focusing on so many things at once here, right? Because there's like a lot going on. Um. I was thinking to myself, like, dude, they better not be foreshadowing anything bad coming up later on, right? Like, I was thinking, please, That's what please. I was thinking when I was watching yeah. the episode. Yeah, I was like, damn, damn, don't don't, don't let him die, please. Like, <laughs> I was thinking that, I was thinking, I'll do that. It's kind of dumb in hindsight now, because it's just classic hop-hop, he's old as fuck. Right, and, uh, yeah, and the guards make fun of him too, and you know, like screw those guys. They can. How dare they? Yeah, how dare yeah, they? Yeah, that's just me. Trust. And uh, yeah, Hop Hop like rolls into everyone, brings them down to the bottom, and I like how they they approach the uh, like they enter the Mother of Olm's room, and then of course it's it's Sprig. Who, uh, I, I love how he just walks up to the gong and just starts like slapping it with this. Like, he does like he a just, wind, he does the windmill. He does like a, a Muppet windmill movement. It just feels so sprig. And the face he makes too. Yeah, this like, yeah, the mu- open Muppet face. And, and then again, Hop Hop, like, Hop Hop's knees act up and then he bumps into everyone again. And the the also Hop Hop do like the like the Family Guy like collapsed <laughs> all <laughs> expressions. Why does the show love doing that for these characters? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm okay with it. Oh, like they they just love that specific. <laughs> fall it's like a fall. funny fall. It's a funny fall yeah. position because you never see people dial and do that pose. And. uh... Yeah, so Sprig, yeah, they summon Mother of Olms, and she shows up, and 
the music is kind of, it kind of has a little bit of the the Proteus theme that we that we heard last week and yeah, this is our introduction to the Mother of Olms, who's voiced by Whoopi Goldberg and I think as far back as last year, not last year, maybe like about eight months ago, I remember Matt like when we got the the vo- the we got the guest star reveals and people like that we saw Whoopi Goldberg, but then Matt mentioned that we wouldn't see her for a while and that she had a special role. And I think we were all kind of speculating either she was going to be the pink frog. And then once we learned about mother of Olms, then we kind of. Oh, re wrong. Yeah. Like once we, mm. once we found out the mother of Olms <sighs> existed, then we thought, okay, maybe this is what, like who, who she'll voice. But yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting how they were able to like, and then there's like one more, and that's next week's episode yeah. too. Jason Ritter. Yeah, d- mm-hmm. Dipper Barrel, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> it's no, it's just it's. It, I wonder, like, how do they like contact people? Like, hey, you want to voice this giant yeah, home? <laughs> like, you know, you, you free? You want to voice a uh, very? Uh, you want to voice a m- mythical monster? Yo, sure. People have free time now, so like I guess for like voice actors are probably like super used to this, where it's like okay, yeah, it's, it's like another gig, and um, yeah. Mm. I was I was wondering, like, is this? I I'm guessing this is probably one, like one of her weirder voice roles, like voicing like a gigantic millennials old yeah, like home. Like, let me. Didn't she voice a bat, like an actual baseball bat? Wait, did she? <laughs> I, I know she was she in did. Summer Camp Island for something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she was there. I look up her voice for I, was, I, mean, I, I just wish someone listed it out simply. I guess she was in Magic Mirror. She did voice the bat. <laughs> from from what? Every, every, everyone's Hero. It's a 2006 movie. Oh, like the movie's called Everyone's Hero? Yeah, it's a baseball movie. Oh, okay. And she voices a bat. <laughs> so I guess that's the we- So I guess this is the second weirdest role then. I guess. And yeah, like Mother of Olm's design is like really nice. I love it. Yeah, like it looks like I I know some people are expecting a, a, something a little bit more like similar to the the Olms we already met. And maybe a little bit more like mystical looking, but like here, like you can kind of tell that she's like, she's old. <laughs> she's an old person. Yeah, but she still has like the glowing, mm. the glowing fins and the. I don't know what the things are called. The side of her head. But mm. I like not antlers. Pardon. Not antlers, for sure. Not antlers, yeah. Sure, there's like a specific name for them, right? Yeah, and then, and then Anne introduces everyone, and oh, I also forgot to mention like the the leaf on like the leaf shaped symbol on the Mother of Olm's head is a mm-hmm. looks like, very familiar to uh, very very to who thumb to who. Well, first we know Anne has a leaf in her head. <laughs> 
And then also mm-hmm. the pink frog in the 3B teaser, she had a similar looking leaf thing around her neck. And we know, like, I- I'm about to talk about the shot where, like, the mother of Olms is, like, talking. She mentions how she hasn't seen a frog in a thousand years. And, hmm, a thousand years. And,. Guess what happened a thousand years ago? Like that's wow. <laughs> what did what did happen a thousand years? Oh, nothing important. Uh, some war, whatever, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I just I don't know. some 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 peacekeeper started keeping the pace back then. Mm. This shot of uh, so this the shot of like Mother Olm like looking like. Like her face takes up the whole like frame, talking to everyone. That she's very big. She's very wider than the other Olms. Right, and we haven't even seen like the full size of her. She's so she's probably like she's huge compared to the other Olms as well. She like like a maybe a Leviathan type size or whatever. Who knows? Well, like yeah, certainly Leviathan. Like. Leviathan in terms of like description, yeah, but yeah, yeah. and uh, I believe Alex Swanson's uh, Alex Swanson, who I think was the only crew member to like do a promo for for Mother of Olms, and like they they pretty much use like they had a shot similar to this, except like the eyes were a little bit bigger and glowing. So I, I'm I'm guessing they boarded this scene or boarded this shot. Yeah, you you could see the fami- like the similarities and yeah. The shot kind of reminds me of a uh, the the true color shot with Andreas and Anne. Oh yeah, mm. oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But like, there's not there's not like it's not like intentional. It's just like scale. They just want to show how big like how big Mother Ulm is and. Yeah, she made comments about the frog, and she uses her tendril things to like kind of figure out who Sasha and Anne are. And she 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 realizes that. Yeah, she realizes they're not like from this Frogs. world. She just yeah, she just calls them exotic. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed that they use a voice modifier on Whoopi. When they you were doing uh, uh, the Mother of Alms. And I think it works. Yeah, like they have like that weird, like the. the yeah, they oh, have. It's like, a, it's, like, it's like an echo in a way, but. And then it has to, because she had, because the Mother of Alms, it has to be like a mythical creature. Right. They probably have like these effects of the voice. Which, which is, which works, and I like that. I wish I could, I want to see more of that in animation, to be honest. Because it kind of it kind of fits the setting too, because it's like deep in this cave, this ancient cave city. Yeah, it's similar to how like also Andrus, like when when they have Andrus talk, they they give him like an a little bit of an echo. Because of that, he's in the kingdom, he's in the castle, and, and also because like his hollow. voice is like that, like it's like booming when and he speaks. Yeah, it's Keith David, so. <laughs> 
It's very low. <laughs> and also, uh, like, right when Anne starts talking to Mother Olm, she makes that comment about, like, a bunch of uh, fluttering wings. But no one else can hear it, so she just says it's all in her head. And, like, this is this is... This is the foreshadowing of this episode. Pretty good foreshadowing, to be honest. Just simple sentence. Like when when I saw this clip, I thought it'd be something like, "Oh, maybe there's like a bunch of frobos on frobots on the way." And I think it's because of how common that line is heard. It works. <laughs> Just me. It's okay. It's probably all in my head. And. uh... Yeah, Anne brings up the music box, and then Mother Ulm, she, like, immediately, like, she mentions that she's, like, the, like, she's, like, the, I'm trying to listen to the clip again. Oh, she's the keeper of the prophecy for the, for this whole, uh, and Calamity Box and Gems story. And then, you know, we see her, like, she kind of changes color, and we think she's about to give the, like, <laughs> we think we're about to get answers, and then it's like, no, nope, she forgot. Oh, uh, nope. Yeah, this damn show. I was like, <gasps> this damn show. Love to see it. Eleven. Yeah, it's... I, I guess I'll I'll talk about the prophecy stuff like when we actually hear it again. But yeah, she forgot, and she makes that comment about how like when you get older, people like when you get older, your body starts to like fail you, like bad friends, and like that was oddly specific. <laughs> You're making that Sasha Marks comparison? <laughs> I'm not, okay, I'm not making the comparison. I just thought, like, man, for a show that that talks about friendships with, like, with trios, especially, <laughs> yeah, ne works, especially next week, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say. I just want to be like, oh, that's that's an interesting line. Refuse to elaborate. <laughs> but. I like how she says there's like. She, there's no way she'll ever be able. There's no way she'll be able to ever like remember what she forgot. Unless. <laughs> and she like pretty much advertises like. What's what's this Olm's name? Dr. Johan's brain cream. <laughs> like she, she treats it like it's a commercial. And yeah, that's when she pretty much gives the gives the. I didn't really expect. I, I no, I, I did expect us to kind of move away from the setting from this room, because if it was just if this entire episode took place in this room, it might be a little bit like feel a little static, because usually, usually Amphibia always has them, has everyone moving around and going somewhere. I just didn't expect it to be inside Mother Ol. 
Yeah, they could have, like... <laughs> I, was, I, I feel like... I just imagine when they're writing for this episode, they're just like, hey, hey, what's the best way we can fuck with our audience? Like, what's the best way we can mess with like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this. What the fuck? How did this happen? I need to know. I need to know whose idea this was. Like, please, I, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, yeah, they had to journey into the brain <laughs> to <laughs> like saying this. It's like it's like yeah, this is this is amphibia, but. <laughs> We're getting the <laughs> most normal amphibia episode. Out of the planet, just go into the brain of an old. And like, yeah, it's a fun episode. Like, it's a fun little trip, and it's a little, it's a little, it's it's not. The show is pleasant to look at, but some people might be a little. Freaked out by uh, it, it it wasn't that bad. Like, it, it's weird how going inside a giant amphibian is still less disgusting than Anne rubbing her acne uh, with with butter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sasha would like to say otherwise. She did not enjoy that time at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like Sasha's like. Not on board with this, but <laughs> absolutely like, not. Rich's ear immediately tries to turn around, gets dragged back in by Anne. Yeah, and even like Polly bullies, bullies Sasha earlier. <laughs> Which she like, she kind of like pulls on Sasha's ear as a joke too, and and then of course, the, like all the kids go in for this like. For this journey, for this quest, and uh, Hop Hop decides not to come along because he he feels like he won't be helpful during the mission. And I, I like how all the planners kind of like they they try to convince him otherwise, and they do mean it honestly. Like even I love how Polly's like Polly call compl she compliments Pop Pop by calling him a killer. <laughs> <laughs> just accept that this is Polly. Yeah, like coming from Polly, that's like the that's like the the greatest compliment she could give to someone else. And she and she gives it to her her sweet old hop hop. Yeah, so he doesn't come along. They they go, the kids go inside the brain. You know, we get Sasha going in. Oh, we get Polly like screaming inside Mother Olm's like ear, and just talks about poo. <laughs> and I just I like how like I like how Mother Olm Mother Olm is basically just like a she's just a sweet old lady. <laughs> yeah. Watch your You're in there. Yeah, and then uh, Sasha just like walks into that earwax, and while she's like while she's suffering, <laughs> hop, it cuts to Hop. I'm just like just chilling in the 
just being comfortable in his little teacup sauna. <laughs> and I just like how it's just him and him and Mother Olm just like chatting. Yeah. I mean it's like this kind of direction of the episode was just totally unexpected, but I think they did a really good job, you know, like I mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I just really liked seeing these two bond. I mean it's yeah, it, it's pretty cool. I don't know, it's it's weird. It's like her lifespan completely like I, I guess it's like they're both really old, they can relate in some ways, but I guess like the fact that she's even like much, 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 much older than him, so gives her like the opportunity to give even better advice than you know he could think himself. So yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's just nice. It's just nice. I just I didn't expect any of this, but I really welcomed it. Yeah, I just I just think it's perfect that they they chose to do the hop hop as old plot like right when they meet one of like the oldest living livest living amphibians on this planet, like on this in this world, basically. Yeah. It's just, it's just so nice because, like, yeah, like you said, even they're both old, but like, Mother Ohm's lifespan probably like dwarfs, dwarfs Hop Hops by, like, almost a thousandfold, like, more than that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but it checks out because she's able. She's one of the people who's actually able to give some insight and help him out there because we kind of don't have many other characters that are any other characters that are in old age, like Hot Pop is, that could actually help him out and give him a face-to-face chat from somebody who's in a similar situation. We we did have uh what's his name of what's the name of Hop Op's yeah. friend in Utopia? Oh, Sal? Like Sal. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was also a good moment in uh yeah. Little Frog Town yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a sweet thing where like Hop Hop like I I like how Hop Hop first brings up the like something like something not helpful and even Mother Ohm points out like yeah that's probably like useless information like it was like catter caterpillar milk like how to like every every caterpillar commercial or whatever just something not helpful and i like how mother Olm just immediately like is like straight up with him <laughs> but then of course hop hop brings up his like his decades of farming experience and that's nice mm. but then of course like mother Olm starts like twitching and that's when they realize like the kids are have reached her nervous system or not the nervous system. I guess since they're getting closer to the brain, I guess the the neurons. Yeah, that is supposedly part of her neuro- her nervous system. Right. Okay. Self described. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're all just getting shocked, and I like how and so instantly is just like, oh, it's like limbo, gets electrocuted. This <laughs> prig. Mocks and gets electrocuted. Polly laughs at the two of them, gets electrocuted, flies into Sasha, gets electrocuted again. Yeah. And... Well, I was like, what was Polly thinking? She was literally sitting Yeah, she's sitting on it. Off. Like, she was just waiting for it to happen at that point. And poor Sasha. Poor Sasha. Yeah, and then. Ah, uh, she can cope. Yeah, they all fall into the. <laughs> 
yeah, they all get electrocuted and then they all fall into the the brain the brain of uh, Mother Olm. Uh, yeah, and then they pretty much just start like applying the cream, and I I like how it's like this kind of like. This little like upbeat tune. It kind of reminds me of a. Uh, it's I, I'm trying to remember the track from season one, where it's like this like little fiddles playing during the montage, and I I think TJ Hills uploaded the track. Um, I think it was about like making soup. So maybe it was ta- Lily Pad Thai. But it's like it's like this little like cheery music while like Sprig is just like it looks like Sprig is like swimming in Mother Ohm's brain and <laughs> applying the cream. It's just, it's just funny. <laughs> oh right, but before yeah. <laughs> but before that, yeah, like Sprig just like walks into Doctor Johan's corpse. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's fucked, man. Yeah, that Jesus. was that was crazy. And not yeah. only that, but you also see a bunch of holes in Dr. Johan's dead body. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that the last time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I guess that, yeah, that's why he didn't make it out. Oof. Yeah, unfortunate. Damn. And I guess Mother Ohm forgot that, because she's like, oh, no one's seen him in years. <laughs> it's like, you just, you forgot that he went into your brain to, like, apply the cream? like. Come on, Mother Alone. <laughs> and I like how everyone freaks out, and then Polly's like, don't care, dead and gone, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how, like, everyone is, like, pretty clean, except Sasha, who's just, like, a mess from, like, the, the earwax still. <laughs> and, uh, they finish applying the cream, and then that's when the bat bat mosquitoes or bat mosquitoes show up, and they all run out and fall into the nose. For some reason, like they didn't want to let Sprig, uh They do, they don't they don't want to like say it's mucus, but like they 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 had no problem showing all of this. <laughs> oh, they're being cheeky about it. Uh, I, I still hate that. Sh- I still hate the shot of wait. Okay, what's the doctor's name again? Doctor Johan. Johan. Doctor Johan. I still hate the fucking shot of his bony hand, his decomposed <laughs> hand, going all the way in Sprig's mouth. Just, just, just. I see. I think I was. I think I was doing fine. I think I was doing fine with the gross out humor until I got here. Like this is where I'm like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> this is where I'm. Just, this is where I'm finally like. Fuck you guys for making me watch this. Like, I think that was my personal breaking point with the episode. <laughs> like, just, God. that's so disgusting. The, the, yeah, the show just like in the mo- like in one of the, like the crucial episodes, just still has time to be gross and terrifying and all this stuff. Like that, that, that is like. Probably the grossest moment on the show for me. Like, just, 
Especially Spring like runs into it, like runs into like the corpse's hand. It's like, oh his, man. His his entire hand gets engulfed by Sprig's mouth. Like, <laughs> ew. Like, the whole thing's in there. Alright, I think moving on. Wait, wait, wait. Well, actually, yeah, it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah. let's, get, let's get past Johan's corpse. Yeah, yeah like, they're sinking in the, in the mucus, and... Hop Hop, this is when Hop Hop has to save the day. He he has to fight against his weak knees to. I, I like how. So he yeah they try to get they try to get Mother Olm to sneeze. She can't do it on command. And then like Hop Hop has like his monologue. His like he's thinking to himself. He takes a moment to like think about the surroundings surroundings he's in, and then that's when he starts pulling all these ingredients. It's Hop Hop doing what he knows best. And then eventually he climbs up those stairs, like. Like. He's like. He, like, gets his. Like, he gets his knees together and just. Charges through. And just. Yeah, just. Gets Mother Old to sneeze. That's all that happens, but <laughs> it's just. It's just nice to get. See Hop Hop get that win. Yeah, it's nice to see Hop Hop get that win. I think there's one thing that they did really clever is that in the climb, when he's making it up, there's this scene where... Let me just get it up. He's climbing up the staircase, and it's the stairs are in the foreground and in the back, and then they loop around back into the background, right. and it really help, helps sell this idea that he's going... These stairs are huge, and he's going up a really long distance, and it's hard... And you see that, and you go, oh gosh, that's going to be hard for a normal person. And it like, really sells the struggle of him getting all the way up with this bowl of the most noxious vegetables that are out there. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is really cool. Yeah, I'm looking at that scene right now, too. It just, it's nice to see. I, I like how Mother Olm is just like... Just standing there, like, innocently, just waiting. <laughs> and then Hop-Up's, like, <laughs> going through, like, the biggest battle. Okay, not maybe not the biggest battle of his life, but, like... It's, it's certainly not easy. But, yeah, eventually he gets to the top. Sneezes the planner, sneezes the kids out, and they all slide... They all... Slide down the... Hmm. The, 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 the mucus... The, the stair... The mucus covered stairs and <laughs> I mean it doesn't look too disgusting. It's just like it's just the Nickelodeon slime, you know? It's... Mm. Yeah. And it's just the worst mission ever. Right. <laughs> Nothing more than that. And I still can't like I'm I'm still blown away, like, damn. The, the, I guess I guess they're thinking, eh, should we have them go for a trial? Nah, that'd be too cliche. Let, let's let's let him do an adventure for a body. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? I, I need a commentary. I really want a commentary on this episode because it's like, just imagine how hilarious that would be while they explain the thought process for this. Like them, like the crew passionately explaining why this episode involved them, like going through the like, <laughs> yeah, like. 
<laughs> could have had them do a travel. They're like, nah, fuck it. Let's go for a body. Like, I, I just, I just need to know. Like, like, were they having fun? Well, were they having like fun? Anyway, what, what, how can you describe this? Like a subversion? Like, like. It's a bit of one. It's it's kind of an alternate take on the traditional, like the trial here. Here are trials. I mean, actually, yeah. it kind of is a, it, it kind of is a trial in its own way. It's just not the typical. Oh, here's your um. To prove to prove that you truly are the hero of the story, you must do X, and then we'll believe you. Kind of thing. But it's actually not that, and something completely different. Yeah, and yeah, I like how it's just them helping Mother Wolm out. But even though it is to get to the prophecy, it's not too. It's not too strict. It's just, yeah, it's kind of casual in that way. And I like how I like how the planner kids hug hop pop and how happy they are even though they're all covered with mucus it's just it's cute with hop hop being the hero but this is this is my hop hop bias just <laughs> like me thinking wow like what a what a character climbing those stairs <laughs> this, is, this is why we love hop hop it's like no matter what he's like always the underdog and like we just gotta root for him mm-hmm and then Mother Olm gives like the thumbs up, and and then yeah. and then Hop Hop's back, <laughs> like acts up, <laughs> not his legs this time, but mm-hmm. it's the price of bearing the show. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the it's the hero it's the hero sacrifice. <laughs> but yeah, now that. Now that they got the the batskitos out, oh, I like that. Sorry, I, I like that quick joke where and and I think Ant says "bless you" after Mother Olm sneezes them all out, and then here she asks if like here they they try again. Basically, can Mother can Mother Olm remember the prophecy? And she still can't. But then Hop Hop reminds her like, "Oh, maybe you wrote down somewhere." And then. We find what we're what we've been looking for the past eight minutes on the ceiling. <laughs> and, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, it was. It's. I think before before I get into this. Oh, go ahead, Nick. I, I just I just feel like they made this episode the fuck with us. Like they they it's not that they didn't know what they're doing. It's because they thought, hey. What would be like the best way to torture the audience? <laughs> Let's do it this way. Like, I they knew exactly what they were doing this episode. Nick, I think that's a summary of all of Amphibia. Yeah. Like, sure, that's, that's how do how do we best mess with literally as many people as possible while still putting on a wild ride of a show? <laughs> Honestly, that's totally fair. They've been doing this since day one. <laughs> Yeah, and then I think this, the prophecy was written in. It's written in in Newtopian, so I'm not sure how Mother Olm was able to like know it's there. But I mean, that she can probably read Newtopian. But she's blind, though. 
Wait, but, I mean, wait, she, oh, no, I, no wait. she has it's magic. It's magic. It's magic. It's magic. This is magic. Don't need questions. It's magic. Well, maybe she uses the uses the feelers, but she does seem to have like proper like seeing eyes. Full stop. Given the blues. I guess she doesn't have like the she doesn't have the film over her eyes that all of the other arms do. I mean, like I'm I'm not too like yeah. hung up on it, but yeah, just like how, how is she reading it? But it's like, granted, she she does have like magical powers and can change her color. So like, there, there's probably like a there's probably a way she's doing this, but best not to think about it too much. <laughs> Yeah, and then this is when we get the prophecy, and man, like we we already like we the audience already knew what this prophecy was about since Day at the Aquarium. So that was in, I believe, June, July, twenty twenty. So it's been almost it's been about a year and three quarters. Since like we the the audience, or maybe not even general audiences, maybe it was just like people who are kind of like people who are absorbed who absorb amphibia lore. Yeah, or, honestly, God, I, I do think it's just in. yeah. Honestly, God, I I just I do believe there was just people who like trying to be active for the fandom and just see what was going on because like, and I do know if you just go to some comments, like you know some YouTube com- um, comment sections, like there'll be people who generally don't know about the prophecy, and that's just because, you know, they haven't had the chance to see the translated runes from the fandom. Right, and so this is the first time some people might be hearing about, like, the prophecy, like, three stars shining bright, burning bright, come from beyond to expel the night. Uh, Should they fight or embrace the fall, their choice will determine the fate of all. Like, yeah, this... Okay, I need, I need to pull up my notes on what I wrote about the prophecy. Like, so a lot of Amphibia's story is determined by like the actions of the characters for like very personal reasons. So like whether it was Marcy bringing them here in the first place, Sasha like a, positioning herself against Anne, Anne and the planners like their actions leading to like whatever the whatever the conflict of the episode is in season one or two and even andreas's like own quest for conquest is like a very this is very personal to him and the prophecy is something that isn't really th- there's some distance between like what the character is doing and why they're doing it the, the prophecy isn't very personal it's just kind of like stating the facts or staying it's it's very external it's like an external force being applied into a show where that's mostly character driven and i think it was the right call to have the characters learn about this prophecy i guess so late into the show's life while the audience got to learn about it like halfway in. And I think it's I think it's important for 
at least for characters like Anne, Sasha, and Marcy, well, even maybe Marcy knew about this since she was with Andreas, but at least for Anne, it was probably very important not to have Anne learn about this until she reached the point where she was kind of where she kind of grew and developed as a character without this kind of hanging over her head. So I, I think like that's what I that's what I like about the prophecy being the way they've the way the show's handled it so far. But I guess moving forward, it's like we gotta see how Anne is we, we gotta see how Anne is like reacting to all of this and how she's gonna deal with it. And we get that next tidbit of Mother Ulm talking more about it, but I guess do you guys want to give your thoughts on just just the just the prophecy in general now that we've got it for the characters? Okay, just like the, specifically around the prophecy, because then there's Mother Ulm talking, and then there are some interesting reactions off of that that I want to talk about. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk oh. about too, but I just wanted to like, yeah, I mm-hmm. guess we can we can go on to that then. But oh, um, we'll have a, a little bit. It's nice to get that rehash. It's nice to see. I there's this moment where the mother Rome is speaking out this prophecy, and all of the crystals glow up, and we just get this shot of Anna and Sasha standing. Wind physics. The camera looking down on them with the wind blowing through, and it is just this great moment of wait, okay, this is getting big, and this moment of wonder. And it pulls them out, pulls that off while they're both covered in goo. Like, yeah, this is that just. Yeah, this. Re- how can you do that? Yeah, this how reminds. Can you be allowed to do that? Nick, Nick, and I. <laughs> discuss how like amphibia loves doing these like big like the big like moral of the story things at like the most like uncomfortable time like back in uh back in back in hopluck Anne is having this realization how she like dragged the planners into like this quest for pizza and how she's like risked their, their lives just for this and then while she's like talking about all this you have like hop hop's butt up against her face <laughs> <laughs> and yeah like yeah like like you said here it's like we have this epic moment with the wind physics and the crystals are lighting up and they're all covered with mucus and a small thing is that before she starts actually reading out the prophecy uh, a nice bit of continuity is mother on referring to the music box as um the song between a- the music box that plays the songs between the worlds, which is some nice cohesion with with what we already know from Terry during Escape to Amphibia. It's nice to see that understanding on both sides, so we can go, yep, yeah, all right, reinforce that kind of. We go, ah, yes, we can be. It's it's nice to see it happen again. It's nice to see it continually get to refer to the music box as the world traveling portal kind of thing with the music. Reinforce that the playing of the music is the transportation. I don't know. I like that. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good one. And then also Sasha quickly like telling Mother Olm to read it. Mean that? Yeah, which tells her to read it before she forgets how to like actually read or whatever. It's 
<laughs> just yeah, just Sasha. <laughs> but I guess I guess we can go into the what Mother Ulm talks about. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, like after the prophecy I think the first thing is about how they talk about Anne's powers first, I believe, where Yes. She like she, yeah, she, Mother Ulm asks the girls if they have the power of the stones and Anne brings up that that like she does like that she has the powers but she can't control after Anne just took the box. And I like how Mother Ulm kind of like kind of interrupts her and brings up how like she brings she brings up that Andreas has she the way she phrases it is that Andreas has stolen the powers that belong that belong to Anne and the girls that are rightfully theirs. Yeah, like she I think she says that like it's rightfully mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, that just gives them like a huge effort importance. Like I I feel like they really really hit the marks of like the dialogue here. Like I, I just love every single bit of it. I mean, just. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that close-up shot of, like, the mother of Ohm standing in front of them asking if they burn bright with the power of the stones. Dude, that's just chilling right there. Mm-hmm. Also, gotta love the Sasha just, like, calling them, hey, do we get cool anime powers too? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Saying yeah, what that everybody that is thinking. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just still waiting on, like, the moment where they all power up, fly around, beat the crap out of whatever the heck they need to. Like, I'm, I'm still waiting for that moment. So, yeah. Like, just hearing Sasha say that, that was super rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I just... I just feel bad for Mars because I just know she's going to be pissed off that she probably only gets to use it, like, once or twice. She's still going to freak out that she actually had powers at some time. Also, an important part is that Mother Om is specifically calling out Anne as one who is able to facilitate the other two. Mm. So... That's going to be also a cool, fun moment, yeah. which I'm excited to see. Yeah, because I mean, just knowing like the fact they do pair up with it, like they do pair up with them, the development of the powers with the character development, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm just think I I feel like I could see like that transformation sequence, right? Like and helping the two other girls transform, like I could see that happening when they're all in, like equal footing for one another or something, and when like a lot of things are resolved between them. Because I think like. Mm-hmm. I mean, just knowing Amphibia, right? They're obviously going to tie that with it, so I can totally see that. So I'm just hyped for that. I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, I... Like, before it was difficult to make out a path to Sasha and Marsh getting powers, because, like, Andrews has the box, right? And you... If they get their powers back, right? Because, I mean, this, this is before this episode. Like, so I was thinking, if they get their powers back, then that's going to mean that, like, you know, Andrews isn't too big of a threat anymore, so they're going to need something to make this work, but I'm just glad that it's this simple, right? Like, just, Anne is a conduit. Anne's the one who can transfer over the powers back for them, so, really excited for that. Yeah. My currently running theory is that, given what we saw in Escape to Amphibia, where Anne was at her best in, like, degree in tune with her powers, when she was really displaying the heart her heart power, her heart ability in its most positive orientation, where everybody's working together, she's managed to congregate all these people, all working towards a common goal, and together they're unstoppable, and that's when her powers kick in the, in the most controlled fashion. As opposed to the 
least controlled fashion where it's rage after seeing somebody you love quote-unquote die. Now, I think we're going to have an escape to Amphibia kind of moment with Sasha and potentially probably Marcy as well, where Sasha is, let's say Sasha, is displaying strength and persistence in a way that's super positive and is more, more like about defending all those around her than the moment we see in Barrel's Warhammer when she's trying to push to still be in charge and upset that she's falling behind. Oh, okay, and then that kind of like just... triggers that triggers Anne's well, that triggers her connection At least to in Anne. some way. That's kind of the emotional moment where the trigger will happen. Okay. In some yeah, way. No. I won't be, yeah. And, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns though. <laughs> yeah. Damien, I just really like your point about Escape to Amphibia because I, I never thought about the fact that like there's like a big difference between what trigger dance, you know, transformation sequences compared to that episode, right? Like a lot of I mean, besides the episode, right? It was just it was like rage and desperation, right? And Damn, here, like here, it's just you know, just sheer confidence. Because I know, like, since the beginning of season one, like Anne's always been someone empowered by like the people around her, right? Like the relationships she forges. So, yeah, like it just, mm-hmm. it just lines up perfectly with her heart powers. I, I just love to see, and I feel like, yeah, when she's on good fitting, good footing with like Marcy and Sasha. I mean, like, I don't know who, who knows? Like, maybe that, maybe that will be her strongest, like, transformation sequence. Because I know, in a way, like, those two have always sort of stifled her heart. Like, I'm, I'm getting too on the nose here. But, like, I think once she's able to stand together with them, once... I don't know if everything's going to resolve by them, but, like, once they're able to find some kind of common ground of one and I, I do think, like, we're going to get something pretty insane here. <laughs> yes. If the, the, if the final moments of the show, like the final moments of the fight against the core, do not end with the three girls like beating it up with the power of friendship, I will be surprised. Because <laughs> yeah, like, Amphibia is going is one of those shows where you know the power of friendship is going to be the winning move, and you are excited for it. Yeah, like they they did so well. The power of friendship. The power of friendship with. Are we going to get feel, a? It doesn't feel. Are we going to get a spran against the world? <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Calamity Sprig? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Johnny <laughs> Cole. Nah, Sprig doesn't burn bright with the power of the stone. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry man. But <laughs> <laughs> Cole. Let me, let me dream. <laughs> dream, 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 dream. Sprig doesn't need Calamity powers. <laughs> Yeah, his tongue's very overpowered. Sprigs so uses like yeah, Sprigger took down two to- toad lords <laughs> with a slingshot. Yeah, me- <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, he did. Damn, Sprig. But uh, yeah, like I really like how, like, well, I think the episode itself kind of the way Mother Ulm phrased it with the way oh, since Anne has her powers, she can get the other powers back, like. I thought it would just be like, oh, Anne has to, just has to fight her way to get the box back from Andreas, but yeah, I, I like the idea that she could be she could be the conduit to to the other, to everyone else. Like she can be the conduit between the girls and then the box, and then kind of siphon it out 
can siphon the power to them as well. And uh, I guess we can talk about the. I like how Anne Anne is asking the questions we were asking. It's just why why is the prophecy this and why is the prophecy that and I have yeah I have Mother Olm's like comment about how like the the purpose of the box is that the Olms believed that the gems serve a great like they have a greater purpose but should be left alone. But then out of the greed and conquest of others who want to use the box for other reasons uh created i'm, I'm gonna quote this now created an unnatural thing that does not sleep and will not die <laughs> and then the three of them have been summoned to save us from what we've become the worst version of ourselves so imagine Whoopi goldberg thinking she's gonna voice like this cartoon show and then says that line oh look i just love that entire sequence there. Mm. I love the descriptor of the core being an un an unnatural thing that does not sleep and will not die. It just hammers home this what have what have we done kind of thing. Also, con- constant references. The core is a made thing, and it's not like the knight has been some kind of ancient being that that's behind everything or anything like that there is the core and that was that was indeed built it's entirely constructed because of the greed for power so we can probably leave out all the frog fool theories that everybody had i'm sorry yeah this yeah this this like was like the final nail in the coffin but i don't mind because i think like Ch- chuck posted in the chat like literally 10 minutes ago I'm going to quote Matt's like tweet. He says, I don't normally comment on stuff like this because I believe it's good to keep certain things vague slash open, but there's nothing that warms the, this creator's heart more than when a clever fan hits the nail right on the head. And this like YouTube comment is like, the frog monster in the mural, it's not the core or some monster the girls are going to fight. It's symbolic representation of amphibious greed and corruption. The girls are fighting for amphibious soul. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, while I just smash apart the three D D, you know, fan theory. I, I mean, I still fucking love where the show is going with that. I mean, it's this idea that Frog Cooler's never been like an actual monster, but just like a metaphor. like symbolism, right? Yeah, just a metaphor, just for amphibious worst possible self. And like, I, I just love the idea. It's sort of like a reversal for what what from you know amphibia was meant to do for the girls, right? Like make them into the best selves, and now they're turning back and doing the same for amphibia, right? Like they're getting rid of the worst possible thing they could have done with themselves. So it's just, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Like this yeah, show, that that this final knows how to get it right. Yeah, that like, final theme, line, like save us from what we've become, the worst version of ourselves. That that's like the perfect. Yeah, like, that's the line that just like elevated this entire episode for me because just yeah, that's like everything Amphibia's been about, kind of. Personally, I find it all worth it just for the single moment. Like this is just 
one of the best scenes out of the entire show. Like it's just like they, they use Whoopi Goldberg really well here. I mean, just every line that comes out of her mouth is just gold. Yeah, and especially I like how we we know that the core is something that shouldn't exist. But remember in Olivia and Yunan how Andreas, like the way he spoke of it, like the way he hyped it up and how like like the way he talked about the core was like this like crowning achievement for Newtopia. Yeah, like, like mm. yeah, like he, he talked about like the world's greatest minds all came together to create the core. Like he's so proud of it. And then like now we have we get to have Mother Ulm talk about it and like the darkness of it, like how it like it will not die and whatever like it just you cannot it. sleep. Yeah. Like it's just chills, mm. right? Like it, it, it just chills. I mean, that's why I, mean, I just, I, I just love because it, I just love the fact that this episode confirms how I felt because it's like the course like an infestation, like this unnatural like monstrosity that's found its way in the video. Like it doesn't belong there. It goes against like the natural order of things. I mean, and in the realms they believe that the gems, like right, they're they're just natural. They shouldn't be nests of you. You shouldn't do anything with them. But let like the rifle. Holders of it have it, but like then the core went ahead and did its thing. They're not saying that they're natu- natural per se. They're saying that they serve a greater purpose. Right? Yeah, that's what I want and to talk about. That's greater purposes are always a little on the uh, spooky side because that means something big's happening, and I'm so keen to figure out what this greater purpose is. Maybe it is just to say, for the prophecy to save Utopia from to save Amphibia from themselves, but maybe it's something else. Let's just keep one eye open while we sleep to be sure. Like I, yeah. I like it's interesting how the gems predate everything. The null, like everything, everything that we know about the gems predates the Ulms as well, and they've they're even older than Newtopia. And I I like how the line how the Olms thought it was best to leave it be because it's doing something greater and maybe it's like something passive because if the if the Olms believe that the gems should be untouched and shouldn't be interfered with, that means they're in the middle of they're, they're doing something that we can't see. And maybe by using these gems, we're it's disrupting it's disrupting the balance that the that the gems are supposed to be doing, and that's going to be a big part of the end. Like it's going to play a big part in the finale or in the end game of the show as to what's going to happen with. Our characters, our main cast, who are f- from different dimensions, and I mean, there's a reason why the the final episode is called the hardest thing, and yeah, it's just yeah, I just yes. like I like the idea how the gems are like the gems are more than just like superpowers or. A giant battery to power like a castle in the sky. It's like it has 
some sort of place in the universe, I think. Especially with the way that we've treated the, especially the way uh, travel between worlds is treated like a song. So it's like, I, I guess it's like the mu- the musical. I guess like the the connection between these worlds are are it's like it's just it's music and it kind of reminds me of a. Uh, the the comic book series like Final Crisis how it's like everything, the whole universe is like linked together via song. I don't know it's just, it's really, it's a very abstract thing. And I'm just curious how, the show is gonna like, what the show is like planning with the gems, especially since they predate everything, in Amphibia. Hmm. Yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> heavy stuff, heavy stuff, and super unknown stuff. Oh. Especially excited. Yeah, you know, I'm just really happy we're getting like the say like the second half of the puzzle next week, right? With um, just thank God for the court of the king, right? Because I mean, I feel like now that we know what the, what's going on with the prophecy, right? I feel like that's like you know, just 50% of it. But now now we need to know like what, what the core wants with all this, right? Now, so, mm. I, I think, yeah, I think I we'll see. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we, we, might, we might find out the second half next week. Yeah. But then there's the mysterious third half that might show up. What's... <laughs> I don't know. All this talk about greater purpose has has my ears tingling, and also there's the interesting part of what do the trio, what are the, what's the what do the trio do as a part of all of this? What do they want? How are they going to interact with this whole thing? Because the prophecy is leaving it basically all up to them as to how they're supposedly saving yeah, the, Amphibia from itself. It's the worst kind yeah, of like prophecy. the choice determines all, like. Yeah, it's like super vague, and it just tells them, "Okay, like this is up to you guys. Go ahead and handle it somehow." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's actually, like, that's it. That's about it. Yeah, it's like, imagine that situation where it's like you have to do this insane thing, and it's like, why? And then it's like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm just giving you the blueprint. <laughs> well, the the why is because they need to be saved from the first version of themselves, but the question is how. And I really like how, especially in Marcy's case, like she is part of the. She's been sent to Amphibia to defeat the worst version of Amphibia's self, but she is Amphibia's worst self. And since she is at her worst self, she has been sent to Amphibia to defeat the worst version of herself. Mm <laughs> hmm. <laughs> It's really complicated for the fact that they're now Darcy, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about all this. Like, yeah, just basically, it's like, yeah, it's just interesting how, like, Marcy will have to defeat the worst version of herself to actually save Amphibia. I just thought that's an interesting part of her, yeah. her journey. That's yeah, a beautiful just... send-off to the journey, really. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the knight really was the core all this time. 
Yeah, like it's. I would say that the yeah, night it, is more the general cloud of greed, the power, and avarice that caused Amphibia to devolve into the worst version of itself. I would say that's kind of the night, and the core is more a symptom of the night, of this darkness. Yeah, but we still got uh, that. Now, now just... we, we still got that shape in the mural. Like maybe that's the core's final form after. I don't. Know. <laughs> that's just me hoping we get like this frog-looking toad hybrid sweet. monstrosity. It's all up to the destiny. I mean, like they did a cliffhanger for a reason. In the beginning, unit, like it's all up to the destiny. Like. That's when we'll know. I feel like, I feel like that's when we. That's when we'll. I, I feel like okay, maybe with like the whole line about the gems having a higher purpose or something like maybe, like maybe that would be like a last minute twist towards the end. But I think like right now we'll, we'll really get the sense of like where we're we going end game wise once we have the idea of what the destiny is. Yeah, and I like how. Honestly, that's what I expect. Yeah, and at the end of Olivia and Unit, it's like the core had its own idea. Of what it wanted its destiny to be, even though it's it's fully aware of the prophecy, and has been taking all these steps to avoid it, and now is trying to. Oh Christ! Now, you know, now that just messes with my mind. Like the, ah, oh, yeah, they always think about the prop. There, <laughs> now, 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 I'm gonna think about that for a little while later. But damn, and just that's what's that's what's like. I don't want to say it's bothering me. It's just that. Amphibia is so much is about so much of Amphibia is about like kind of trying to go against it's like trying to have your own free will when in the face of events that are like beyond your control. And then now it's like the core's trying to do that, but Anne and the planners have always been trying to do that, and now it's like I don't know how to describe this. It's just Oh, I don't know if oh, I wouldn't say that's quite the major theme. One of the major themes of Amphibia. I don't want to say yeah. It's not. The, it's not a major thing, yeah, but it's, it's something like, that's. I don't know if it, it's something that's always happened though. It's like Anne is trying to be her own person and not actually. I think that's more just growth and understanding who you are and who you want to be as an idea, and trying to become the best version of yourself. Right, and then we have this prophecy telling Anne that she needs to... Like, she has to be her best version of herself to, to, to stop this, and it's like... I mean, it doesn't really say that at all. It just says this is a danger, and it's something that she had already agreed with doing anyway. Like, she's here to stop Andreas even before she hears the prophecy saying, yo, yo, there's this whole... Right, yeah. kind of here to expel the knight. Like, right, that's why, that's why I like how the prophecy's, like, introduced to the characters now. Because, like... Mm. I mean, if this was, like... If this was in Season 2... Oh my god, like, imagine... Imagine Marcy... Like, I have no idea if Marcy actually knows about the prophecy. Because, like, I feel like that this would be something that I would kind of get her excited about but 
in, in like the worst possible way. Like if Andrews was like telling her that she's like the Messiah for this world, like I don't know, like 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 I do I do know like I'm, I I do know Anne's actions here are, are on her own accord. <laughs> Yeah, just this chosen one stuff. It's like Amphibia's done a pretty good job, like trying to. I, I just I like how the prophecy has been integrated into the show. I just hope it's. I just hope it continues being well. I, I'm kind of I'm sort of at a loss of words now, but. Like like do you mm-hmm. stuff they have like they have like the. Like a, the autonomy or something with their choices and stuff. Like right, is that what that, you want? that's what I'm trying to figure out how to how to phrase. Like, I mean, I I, I, th- I think the show. I mean, I think they've always handled it in a satisfying way, just by having a tie to character rough. And I feel like they're just gonna stick with that, right? Right. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. I have faith in I yeah. have faith in the show. It's gonna really. I mean. It's just amazing to finally be on this other side, like finally having them understand what their greater purpose of being here is. I mean, we've we've been waiting like what almost two years for that. Yeah, and yeah, even, just even even God, three years. What an amazing count, scene! If we if we count three oh, years, the mu- yeah, with the mirror, like Jesus, the the yeah. intro shot at the very end, like yeah, yeah I, I feel I feel so dumb because I just remember like I, I never thought anything about that. I was just like, huh, neat. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh. I wonder what that. I wonder what that means. Like, I I just ignored it. I just ignored it. Not even <laughs> after I thought the... about the prophecy in the book. Like, I was just chilling, man. Not even because after the eye glow. Thinking... Like the very first eye glow I, in episode one. I I, I, I was just thinking funny frog show. Like, I was like, cool eye glow. <laughs> I was like, funny frog show, right? I was just chilling with the show. Oh. <sighs> Oh, I love those debates. Oh, okay. Are these? Is, is this animation era or is this real? <laughs> Here yeah, we are. And every, and every, as it turns out, season three is not an animation era. Yeah, it's like every season <laughs> becomes like, powers to exist. Yeah, like every season becomes like harder to disprove. Where it's like her eyes glow even brighter each time. Like <laughs> by, by the time you reach season three, like her fists are glowing blue as well. It's like, hey guys, I think I think in this premiere, I, I think Anne's eyes glue. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm excited! I'm excited, and especially to look at everything in retrospect, because when we see these final episodes. We see, we'll see how the end state and the journey will make even more sense. Like, it's coming together now. You see all the themes merge in, and you see how past episodes have contributed to those themes. And when we see the finale, I'm hoping that it'll check out, everything will check out. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I think the way things are going looking pretty good yeah that's why i have so much faith in this show because like already like even though we don't have the whole picture like a lot of it is already like feels so nicely put together from like stuff like the prophecy and especially with pink frog like we're going to get like a an answer answer for that and we have all the like the pieces laid out and even if we know how the story's gonna go it's like 
just the satisfaction of like knowing how we got there is going to be enough. Uh, yeah, everything just feels really well placed together. It's just I feel like just thematic through lines. Like, like I, I, I talk. I, I think I've talked about this before. Somehow, like the show keeps increasing in scope, but like and more and more and more and more. But it still feels like the same show at the end of the day, and that's just because like they know what they are and they still stick with that. They make sure everything connects in a way. And I just love the idea of like the accumulation. I just love the idea of the core basically being the accumulation of all everything wrong with Amphibia itself. Like, like, like it's caste system, like the, like the racism there, like the greed, like everything just came, like the core is the symptom of that. Right. And like, yeah, it's, it's just amazing to think that this fantasy land its purpose in the story, like, I guess, I guess like, outside of, like, all the concept of the story, it was, like Matt said, it was meant to bring the best out of these girls, and now they're going to turn around and just do the same for it. And, like, that's just, it, it, that's just hard, like, damn. Just Bravo to them, whoever, I don't know, like, did, like, when Matt came over the story, was he just, like, just, damn. <laughs> like, I don't know, this, this hats off to whoever made up all this. It's amazing. Yeah, and just Amphibia, man, just with its with all these damn thro- through lines and <laughs> themes, and I, I really like how this, even even in I, I think I said in past episodes too, but even in this set of episode, it's like we're not getting the show's not throwing too many new plot elements into the into the into the mix. It's still working off of whatever it had, and that's that's good because like. It's just that's how strong the show is. It can just pull from whatever it can pull from whatever it set up in past episodes and just like work off that. Like Grab and Sprig, the Olm Prophecy, Hop Hop feeling old. Like like all this kind all this still works. And it doesn't feel it, it doesn't feel like a rehash of something. It just feels like it's building off whatever whatever materials it had. Like it doesn't need to like yeah. introduce like a brand new element in the final season saying, Oh, we can use this to do that. And like it just, it's using it. It's building off itself. That's, that's what makes amphibious. So this is, this is the power of well-planned stories. Like, yeah, you just love to see it. I mean, like they, they don't have to worry about like making any last minute twists work out for themselves. Like they already had all this stuff set up and they know how to make it all work out here. And yeah, we're now, now we're just seeing like there's, yeah, nothing too. Yeah, there's nothing really new being thrown into here, right? It's just more like these secrets that have been here since day one have finally been revealed to the cast, and now we're seeing how it's all going to be resolved. And that's just, yeah, like it's just it's going to go well. Like that's all I'm saying. How I see it at this point. I mean, there's just so much thought placed into the show, right? You can't just like they don't throw they don't throw random shit at the wall and just wait to see what sticks. Like no, there's so much thought and just development place into the show so i think they they absolutely know where they want to go because and that's why like if there's deep thematic like you know just ideas with what the gems represent then like i'll believe the same for darcy and i'm like i'm just i'm just pumped for the rest of it man i mean it just keeps getting better i cannot wait until darcy finally pulls back the curtain on themselves and just steps into the fray here and i i feel like there is like come on like 
they went from the mother of alms, revealing all that stuff to core to the core of the king next week. Like, there's a reason why they're doing that. I feel like we're entering in, like, say, part two or three B in a way. Like, now that we, we all... have like the whole prophecy here, this is it. Like, we're we're going to something deeper. Yeah, we are in essentially the temple arc. Yeah, Ooh. we are we are looking at basically what are going to be like second temple, third temple kind of tier level episodes of season three we get we've got a couple more we've got a couple more stuff we got a few little oddballs and gathering everybody up but oh boy it's happening yeah i like we're how in the we, end game now yeah i like how we just we keep we, we keep dividing the seasons into smaller and smaller chunks as we go on <laughs> <laughs> in the community like before it's like oh it's season one and then it's okay. It's season two A and two B, and now we have season two A part five of seven going <laughs> going into into the second act. <laughs> but but I agree. Like I do think like Olmtown Road, Mother of Olms, uh, the Corn, the King. They kind of have its own. It's own its own vibe, basically, like like the Temple Arc. Mm. Yeah, because we had like a bunch of two B episodes where people were getting home, and then there was Marcy to hang around with, and Marcy had a, b- a bunch of episodes, and then we got to the first Temple, and then we got to the second, then a bit we had a bit of downtime, got to the second, and then it was like second, uh, Barrels, Barrels Warhammer. It was Barrels Warhammer, like, Second Temple, oh, then second temple. Michelangelo and, and Bessie, and then Third Bessie, Temple. Third Temple, and then it just kept on going, bam, 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 last dinner, um, Battle of the Bands, True Colors. And, so, and there's also, like, arguably, like, this season has a lot less downtime than the Temple Yeah, it has even less. Because, let's see, let's see. Yeah. Um, I think we can. Yeah, we have. Oh, go ahead, Sensory. Like we have Root of Evil, the Core and the King, which is probably going to be basically our second temple. This is our second step of the plot unveiling. Newts and Tides, Fight or Flight. Uh, I guess. <laughs> no, look, there's just three incredible going to going to be fairly intense episodes, and then we get the that we have the last two episodes of we have no idea exactly what's going to happen here we don't know what's going on Matt yeah, please hug me up <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hate the fact we won't get a description until like like <laughs> I don't oh, like, I don't I love it damn. possibly even because then, of course we're paying for a different story I'm, I'm scared man <laughs> like these last two episodes like, I just hate the, the fucking all-in, the hardest thing. Dude, that is so abstract compared to the rest of the amphibious titles. Like, there's no puns, there's nothing. It's just all-in, the hardest thing. Like, when I saw it for the first time, I was, I was like, this isn't real, right? Like, this does not feel like the frog show. This doesn't seem like my funny frog show. That's just, I'm just scared. And even the descriptions aren't going to be that helpful either. <laughs> yeah. But I guess... This is probably a good time to wrap up, and yeah, like ne- next week we're going to get, like Sensory said, 
the root of evil, the core of the king, and we kind of got, since this was posted by Disney TVA Twitter, like, I don't mind talking about it, but we, we got that little clip of root of evil, and it's kind of, it, it kind of implies that this is going to be another Hop Hop episode, back to back, and I'm excited for that, and I hope we get to see more familiar faces from season one. And if we do, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking nonstop about it. <laughs> and then there's, yeah, corn, and then there's the corn, the king, and that'll, that'll be fine, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll be, it'll be an interesting week. But, I guess final thoughts, Sun Sphere, on tonight and maybe future. What are your, how are you feeling? Uh, I like that we're ramping things up slow. We're like, we're like, it's a bit of a slow ramp up. It's not like we got hit by a truck in these two episodes. But things are moving and in a very entertaining way and in a way that. I really like that meshes well with the themes of Amphibia. We're not just saying, being told, oh, here, here's the final boss, you defeat the core, that's the point, the core was evil all along, but it's something that ties really well into the general themes of Amphibia that we've been building up from the start of the show. Sort of self-development and growth and becoming the best possible version of yourself. I think Grimes Pupil is absolutely crazy. It's great. It's great. I had no expect. I had middling expectations for it. Like I was going to go. Oh yeah, this will be a fun episode. And then the actual episode happened, and it was a blast. I love that we see Beatrix. I love that we've gotten her into the free before the three armies, so that there's that's kind of one relationship angle that doesn't need so much sorting out. For later down on the line, it'll be more getting the newts and toads to work together than the newts and toads to work with the frogs. So, I have high hopes. I think it's going to be great. Let's go. All right, thank you, Sunsphere. Nick, any final thoughts? I mean, the shows gets more and more hyped. I mean, talking about it here has made me appreciate the Mother Realms even more than I already did before. So, yeah, I'm just excited for whatever comes next. All right, thank you, Nick. And yeah, I just I love this pair of episodes. Mother of Olms kind of gave me gave me the hop hop episode. I I didn't realize I I needed, and Grimes people was just like the Grime the Grimesburg team up episode is just so much fun, and I like how it also stole. I like how this week gave the planners just a. F- it, gave, it gave them some wins, and I, I, I had, I had faith that they would get them. I just didn't realize it'd be this soon for Hop Hop. But I like how the planners, their connections, their ability to connect with other people in the in, in Amphibia, kind of, is kind of what saves them in the day. Not saves them, but helps them save the day for everyone else uh moving forward like like sprig listening to grime and just like their team up and sprig's willingness to like 
pick up the the toad style of combat and hop ops just hop ops gardening skills end up not gardening skills like agricultural knowledge just ends up saving the day and i think impact our friend impact said that said it best how for this proteus arc like each of the each of the characters had played a role in actually like succeeding in this mission i liked how it i liked how that played out but with that that concludes this week's recording and next week we'll see you guys next week for the the long-awaited flashback episode that's gonna be fun Say goodbye, everyone. I'll see you guys. Bye.